1955 was a big year in the world of brands. Disneyland opened, the Guinness Book of World Records released its first publication, and in the UK, the first commercial television station began broadcasting. But perhaps the biggest news in the world of brands was the inaugural listing of the Fortune 500, the annual ranking of the US's largest 500 companies. Now, here's a fun fact. Today, only 60 brands from that first listing remain, going to show that no brand is too big to fail and that history is littered with examples of brands who came, who conquered, and who just as quickly disappeared. My name is Lee Foster, and in this episode of In The Know, I'm joined by Alia Hassan, Head of Strategy at Visium, and Jade Walker, StoryLab's Group Content Partnerships Director, where we discuss how brands create value, how they evolve and navigate an ever-changing business landscape, and just why building strategic alliances might be the most important branding decision of them all. You'll find show notes and links below, but for now, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Alia, Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi there. Um, So in the intro package, I made reference to the fact that of the initial 500 companies that were in the Fortune 500, only 12% now exist, or at least only 12% now make the grade. Um, what, What does a brand need to do to survive in this chaotic landscape? Look, I think brands are really starting to come into their own today. You know, they, they're really trying to understand what's going on with the consumer. And that's one of the biggest shifts that's, that's changing how brands need to behave. I think consumer expectations, you know, we all talk about we're in this volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. You know, VUCA is an acronym thrown around in management circles, if you will. I think in this world, consumer expectations are changing, right? Uh, so what does it actually mean? I think for me, if you just take a step back before I even answer the question in a pointy way, I think it's about understanding what other brands consumers are being exposed to beyond just, you know, an FMCG brand or, you know, whatever it might be. I think if you look at uh, Brand Z, Melbourne Brown's top top 10 brands, you know, they're all from tech and service industries. And I think that's changing the consumer expectations. And what that does is even if you're a, you know, tomato ketchup or a toothpaste brand, you're still in the same economy in which consumers have been exposed to those brands which are setting benchmarks, you know, superlative benchmarks, essentially. So I think for me, it's really important for brands to start to open up, start to find new ways, start to find ways to evolve the conversation and elevate the narrative beyond a product. And that's kind of where partnerships and all those extra relationships brands are forging are really starting to open up. So I think it, it's a really interesting space. It's There's not a silver bullet, so to speak, but it's it's really starting to, you know, come into its own today. Mm. Yeah, and I'd just say tactically, um, there's a difference now in how we're looking at scale and reach. So the influx of all kinds of digital channels that have come in have changed the way that we look at media and how media is consumed. We all know that. So um, partnerships is a really good way of cutting through everything. I, I think that partnerships are kind of like the golden triangle of advocacy, reach and content. Um, so it's just a beautiful way of being able to cut through and being able to align to a channel and position your brand. So there's there's a few talking points and questions that you both raised there. Um, Alia, I might I might um, throw back to you just with regards to uh, the Brand Z study mm-hmm. or the research learning that came out a few months ago. Um, so of the top ten brands, you know there are a number of tech service players in there. Um, I guess what what are they doing that creates this new normal? Because to your point, ketchup brands, tins of beans, they all have to follow suit accordingly. Yeah. Look, I think again. 
they're not doing one particular thing. They're certainly opening themselves up, I think, as a broader theme. And they're starting to open themselves up in different ways. You know, I, you know, we obviously the topic of today's discussion is partnerships and strategic alliances. I think brands are starting to find their own ways into them in different layers, if you ask me. I think, you know, the most interesting example, if you're talking right at, you know, at, at the highest level of scale possible, literally in the moon or on the moon, I should say, um, is, is Red Bull and GoPro, right? They, they sent a guy up to the moon, you know, Stratos, everyone talks about it. So that's a huge, big way of brands to actually create, you know, co um, coexistence or meaningful partnerships. I mean, apart from the big layers, you can also use partnerships in a really uh, interesting way, which takes you into new ground. You know, you've got Nike and Apple, you've got Uber and Spotify and all those common sense spaces. And then you've got someone like a more recent example, um, Lego and Ikea, which really jumps out at me. You know, who would have thought a furniture manufacturer would sort of partner with a toy company? And you, you think, you know, what are they all about? And they talk about celebrating shared parent uh, playtime between kids and parents. And that, to me, creates a really interesting dynamic where you've, you know, a brand like Red Bull has used it really um, in, at a high level. A brand like Lego and Ikea are using it to shape product in, in new ways. And Ikea is even starting to open up things with Sonos and Adidas as they're going into emerging markets like India. So there's different layers that brands are really using. And then there is, of course, the, you know, almost a, a short, sharp way to use them as a sales boost. You, you talk about your Cadbury and Vegemite coming together for a you know PR c- campaign, or even the most recent one I saw on Facebook the other day, actually. Um, Krispy Kreme and Maxibon apparently have come together, and it's called Maxi Cream or Krispy Bon, I'm not sure. But again, some really different ways that brands are starting to use these partnerships and you know to make what they want of it. There's no one-size-fits-all. It is what you want from it, and, and that's, I suppose, the, the best practice around it. So I guess the, the key question emerging from that is is why partnerships? What what value do they bring? Uh, not only the individual brands, but the end consumer. I think Jade, you might want to chime in a bit on that. That seems to be right up your alley. Ooh, yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things. So um, there's been a couple of studies that have come out of the UK that have shown why partnerships are good for brands. They mainly focused more so on your television sponsorships. Um, but I think there's a couple of key points to take out of that. Um, the first is that for a brand that doesn't have that great much of a awareness, uh, it is a great way of boosting awareness in the market. So you're able to maximise your brand, what you stand for to a larger scale audience. Um, the second point is for established brands, it's a really good way of boosting consideration with the brand. So what we've seen actually from a couple of local research pieces that we've done with some of the brands that we've worked with is that um, things like consideration increase exponentially. Um, things like uh, prompted brand recall have doubled uh, with brands. Things like uh, unprompted brand recall has um, increased exponentially as well. So I think there's a lot of good things just in terms of awareness and consideration. In terms of trial, we have seen that partnerships show um, a lot of effect on trial. So we've seen that part, uh, brands that have been in large-scale tier one partnerships, which is what we class those um, big premium television partnerships, um, there's been huge uptake afterwards um, in terms of product. Uh, the best example that's staring me right in the face is a co-brand between Coles and MKR. So in 2017, uh, Coles and MKR came together to create a sweetly spice sauce that was featured in a product integration within the partnership. The next day uh, after that program went to air, uh, the product went on sale 
uh, within Coles, um, and that uh, sold out by midday. So 40,000 units across Australia sold out. So you can see the direct effect of integrating into a partnership, integrating well beyond the spot dot placement um, and having the um, effect of actually boosting sales. So really threefold, depends on how you use it. Absolutely. So the examples that you listed there were very much brand plus media brand, yep. which is still an absolutely, I, I guess, fine brand partnership. But if we are to look at, I guess, convergence outside of media properties, yep. where where does the value exist there? Oh, Argument's cool. sake, Nike plus Apple, Nike plus Michael Jordan once upon a time. Yep. Uh, look, I mean, it, there's a lot of but there's a lot of opportunity for brands to partner with other brands. So twofold, you're leveraging their positioning. If you're basically partnering with a brand that already has equity within a certain audience or even with a certain environment that you're looking to tap into, you're automatically tapping into that. So you're positioning your brand really well with an established brand. So that's the first uh, benefit. The second benefit is accessing their ecosystem. So we all know that a lot of late large corporations these days um, can can almost have the same reach and scale equivalent to a smaller scale publisher. So if you're going with a larger scale brand um, that has been established for many years, you're accessing their database, you're accessing their social media channels, you're accessing their website. So you're accessing the audience that automatically comes with them. It's also a targeted audience. Obviously, a lot of brands um, attract specific sub-segments of audience. So if you want to really target a niche audience, um, partnering with the brand can help you do that in a really engaging engaging way. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jade. I think you were mentioning scale, right? I think that's immediately taken my mind uh, to another example that I saw recently around, you know, three brands coming together. So why should it just be two brands? Nowadays, we're seeing bigger and bigger partnerships starting to emerge, you know, just again, back to the scale point and shared credibility and almost that symbiotic relationship um, sort of um, proposition. I think a really strong one for me is a piece of work that's been done by Tiger Beer plus WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, and Kenzo. And simply put, what they did was, you know, they identified that within the APAC, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a tiger conservation problem, essentially. And so t- t- they could have done a typical you know, target people's heartstrings type of campaign. But what they did was they actually partnered with fashion designers, obviously using the Kenzo credibility, and got them to tell the stories of these endangered tigers. Each designer designed a particular T-shirt. And yeah, it was obviously, you know, co-funded by the brands and sold through the Kenzo retail outlets. So again, a really interesting proposition where three brands came together for a shared collective purpose and really helped evolve the narrative. So that's that's pretty powerful stuff, if you ask me. So something like that, well, A, it's an awesome example, but when, when would one, I guess, identify the right moment to investigate a brand partnership? How does a brand navigate that, that world? I think, look, Jade, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, <laughs> throw you under the bus. But <laughs> I, think, I think for me, at a higher level, it's really, it's important to consider your strategy for your strategic partnership. And, you know, it sounds oversimplified, but we often don't do that. You know, if you just kind of look at, say, a media or a content partnership, it's easy to be tactical. And that's okay. You know, there are layers where you need that type of um, activation, if you will. But I think for, for bigger, the brand type of partnership that we're talking about, you have to consider what it's going to do to your brand and the, you know, the converse to the other brand as well. You know, we talked about symbiotic relationships and we've got to be really mindful of are we just going for an affiliation or a logo slap at its worst with, with a partnership 
or that might just be yeah an affiliation or a sponsorship or is it a true partnership and really assessing the trade off the equity exchange the credibility uh, transaction that's going to uh, play out and really understand how much time we want to invest in it is it a short sharp tactical investment or do we really want to you know have a long term proposition i mean to use an analogy is it a tinder date <laughs> or do we really want to get married to that person for let's just say be in an open marriage for some time um terrible example Uh, but anyway look jokes aside i think yeah it, it's really about understanding how you, it's going to impact you and it's going to impact your brand ecosystem it's going to impact your portfolio and really think about how it's going to play out in the long term i think that's kind of what i would look for yeah i think it's twofold so strategically from a brand perspective it's aligning um with another partner that can offer you benefits that help your product or it can increase your brand values or align with your brand values um i'll give an example that also feeds in what you've said before um caveat i come from a university i came from deakin university where i was in their central marketing team um and about a year ago there was a lot of uh criticism about universities partnering with um sports teams for example in a way that they in a a lot of people thought that it was wasting money um that it was sending the wrong message that these partnerships were you know flashy in marketing only when you de- like deep dive a bit further you find that a lot of those partnerships were actually true cohesive learning partnerships so it went beyond just the marketing ad spots um that that's what the public face that consumer sees but from um an experience perspective these partnerships were offering things like um being able to pair with the um sporting team to work on research pieces being able to offer students the chance to learn from that particular club. So that's what I would class as a really strong and beneficial partnership as opposed to and a brand partnership as opposed to something that's a marketing partnership. Um tactically I think that you should look at your partnership strategy. So when you've established who you want to partner with, um I think you should then look at how you can use that effectively mm-hmm. within your marketing program. So uh, a partnership should have long-term marketing benefits. You should be able to access collateral and you should be able to cl- plan with that collateral to sit with our, around the activity that you're doing um outside of partnership so for example what's your media strategy and how to marketing how does marketing fit within that how can you access um pieces of content from the partnership and pull that into your content strategy so um i would say to effectively use a partnership don't look at the partnership in silo look at where you can stretch your partnership either from access to tactics or from an IP perspective um how can you build that out and turn and make it into an ongoing conversation with the consumer yeah exactly that's a great point jet because i think and it probably stems from you know this the silos that you know marketers have in their own uh, within their walls essentially mm-hmm. you know you have a partnerships and sponsorships division sitting separate to the marketing division and you know whatever else it might be i think we we don't come together enough to really start to see where those partnerships are sitting how they can work to your point within the wider marketing mix how they can stretch at different points in the year how we can co-create things with that partnership how can we take a media partnership beyond it and use it to influence product maybe mm. or the other way around so we're not really asking ourselves and taking the time to, to do that and i think that's probably a missed opportunity so you know just you know putting the mirror to ourselves we should get better at that do you think the short termism uh factors into why perhaps more brands are not partnering with one another i mean we we often read and see the need for short term sales focus quarter on quarter growth something like a brand partnership ostensibly takes time resource investment i think i i don't i, I disagree with that actually because um there are brands who have done it well in a short term capacity as well so if you broadly one can argue short termism does 
stifle innovation and all those sorts of things? Absolutely, yes. But there are brands who have used short-term um, sales boosters. You know, we kind of talked about the Krispy Kreme Maxi Bond thing or the Vegemite Cadbury piece. That was, I'm assuming, pretty much designed to be a short-term sales kicker mm-hmm. or even a PR booster. And so I think in that sense, they can be used well, but you've got to be really clear upfront what you want f- from it and how you use it. So there's there's probably opportunities either end of the spectrum used really well long term sending guys to the moon to use really well short term to just creating a short you know a chocolate bar that sort of flies off the shelf for six months yeah absolutely i would totally agree if you want an effective partnership there's so many details that you have to work through um, and make sure that you're um, covering in terms of your contracts that doesn't come easy anyone that signed a contract will know that that doesn't happen overnight however with some partnerships like content or media partnerships you can easily and effectively get that up i would just say to your point make sure that again don't work in silo if you are using a partnership to you know um, push product uh, make sure that you have a promotional strategy around it so you know price point um, looking to promotions that you can you know basically shape around the promotion to use it effectively are brand partnerships for everyone Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee Foster, the interviewer, there's going to be a few curly questions. I thought I was just coming on here to solve a, you know, a cold case crime. Oh, no, world peace was the goal, according to me. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, no, look, jokes aside, I think that's, that's a really good question, Lee. I, I think, look, there's a lot of conjecture around how partnerships are creating new opportunities. There's a democratization of brands that we're really starting to see. And I think that's a, that's a pretty good thing. So, yes, there's a lot of opportunity, but it probably isn't uh, for everyone is is what I would say and I'm kind of saying that um, to take it with a grain of salt actually because I'm going to use an example here right Um, I think Facebook right who doesn't know Facebook Hmm. you look at them a few years ago and it was all about Facebook is now diversifying and partnering with news outlets and it's all about it's going to be about instant articles and it's going to change the way people consume news and suddenly they were going from a social platform to a news platform and partnering with Guardian and you know so on and so forth and we all know again I won't go into the detail of that but we all know where that landed with the whole fake news fiasco right and today you you see them using outdoor ads and TV ads to just basically cover their bases and try to go back to who they were and where they came from you know they're all about friends now they always were but they kind of lost their way so I guess what I'm getting at is partnerships can be a really good idea to diversify your product to create new streams of communications and connection with your consumers but you've got to be careful to not stray too far from the core and it comes back to all the stuff we've talked about right what is the value of it is your audience going to accept it is there going to be some synergy from a you know value alignment or you know whatever opportunities might arise you've got to carefully consider them because it it can go it can go wrong and i don't mean to scare brands you know from doing that we don't want to stifle uh, people from thinking outside the box or really stretching themselves one can a brand like virgin for example has stretched into so many categories through different partnerships and so on and so forth so it works but if you are doing it again just try and play out scenarios what it might look like how the implications might look to consumers and where your short term versus long term sits yeah and don't jump on bandwagons you know everyone um thinks oh partnership be easy (laughs) you know um and you know everyone's doing this sort of partnership so i should too Uh, i think everyone's guilty of that i think um everyone's guilty from a you know client agency publisher side of kind of thinking oh this is the current trend so you should do it um but you've got to make sure that you're being pretty authentic to your brand uh brand partnerships aren't for everyone um certain types of brand partnerships Mm. aren't for everyone it doesn't 
you know, necessarily fit with what you're trying to do strategically. Basically, um, authenticity is key when choosing partnerships and making sure that you choose the right brand, not only for long-term strategy, but also short-term gain. We all know that authenticity is really important for current consumers. Um, so making sure that there's an authentic fit with a partnership is really important. Otherwise, your brand will come off as inauthentic um, and that will be you know, problematic for the brand. Yeah, and exa- and absolutely. And when it works, it really works, right? I mean, you know, we've just talked a bit about, you know, the considerations or the pitfalls, but when it works, it, it does a really good job. It, it opens up new value. It creates unexpected experiences for consumers. It can help brands, you know, get their purpose to the forefront, which they might not necessarily have had license to do on their own. So there's some really rich and interesting benefits. And I think it's it's good for everyone. It's good for the industry. It's good for the economy. I think it's a, it's a win-win, if you ask me, when, when done right. Do you, uh, you both have any personal fave brand collaboration or partnership? <laughs> oh, there's too many to choose from. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first just to sure. sow the seed. I, I personally love the uh, McDonald's Monopoly partnership, which is oh it's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to have to think about this. Um, I particularly like product partnerships. Um, I don't know why. I just just do um so anytime there's a kind of co-brand um i have to think about it sorry um i'm gonna throw to you now no so that's all right look I, I did mention the lego and ikea one and there's a reason i kind of talked about it. it's kind of unexpected and like there's too many examples you know off the top of my head but this one really stands out to me because it's so unexpected and it's got some really deep benefits and call me a you know fluffy strategist if you will but I think with those purpose-oriented partnerships are the strongest and richest for me Lego would be one of the strong ones that I'm finding right now it's going to help them diversify their product it's giving them a compelling purpose to connect with consumers uh, at a deep personal level and it's really helping them uh, yeah open up new markets and new opportunities and even even the tiger beer and the Kenzo one that I would probably be my joint favorite at this point yeah Sorry, I'm just trying to think of a good one. There was, there was a, it was more so of a campaign rather than a partnership a couple of years ago, um, and it was basically between a football club and um, basically uh, hospitals. Uh, I think it was in South America, and it was to encourage blood donation, um, and that's the one that stands out for me. I basically, I'm pretty sure. Well, oh, the organ donation one yes. was that the one the organ cards yes, and stuff were given cards. up. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really good one. Yeah, to me that was probably um, the best concept of a partnership, um, even though I've mixed up blood and organ donation because to me it gave purpose so it was what we were talking about before Mm. purpose-based marketing Um, and what it did was it extended the lifespan of membership within the current um, membership base of the football club longer so you're really showing a lifetime commitment to the club beyond death so if you can create a relationship with a brand that extends beyond death I think that that's a pretty successful brand partnership or a pretty successful campaign so that's something that I've always thought about um, as being you know is something that's pretty special well, I think on that somewhat morbid bombshell there, <laughs> Jade, we'll, uh, let's, let's wrap this episode. Thank you uh, so much for, for joining me today. Appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, thanks. <laughs>